0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Say the unexpected. The unexpected. How many know that life is full of the unexpected? I want to talk about that today. Uh, Before that, though, I just want to welcome you. If it's your first time with us this morning uh, online or even here, uh, just know that this is a place that even though we may not know you, we love you. There's something about connection. And as we connect with our Heavenly Father, with the source of life, that's what we call it, the divine, what happens is it just begins to rearrange our heart in such a fashion that when we see others, there's just love for the other. It's absolutely beautiful. And so we're glad that you're here with us this morning. So I want to talk today, this is the title of the message, it's called Unexpected Turns. Say, Unexpected Turns. A little subtitle there would be The Narrow Way. Say, Narrow Way. You know, Jesus talked about the narrow way, and so, you know, again, like every Sunday, I think it's 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 fun, at least for me, to dig into portions of Scripture and to see how what, what did Jesus say? What did the apostles say? What is a story saying that I can apply to my life to help me live uh, to a higher potential, to who I truly am? How many know that really in this journey, we're trying to discover the truth of who we are, like the depths, the, the, that authentic identity, that, that true origin from God? And so how many know it is a journey, though? And so you can kind of see that in your own life. There's these ebbs and flows where you're like, oh, I think I'm getting it. Oop, I okay, wait. Oh, I think I'm getting it. Oh, and we're back and forth. But that's part of the journey. And so I want to talk about this idea of unexpected turns. You know, when I was 15, I had taken my driver's training and um, had gotten my permit. I don't know how that works anymore. Is there a permit still? Is there? Okay. My, my, I have a son who will be doing that again pretty soon. But when, when you're 15, you can get that permit, and it permits you to drive with someone else who has a license. And I think preferably 18 or over, something like that. I don't know if it's changed. But when you're 16, we all know what happens, right? Did anyone go on their 16th birthday and get their license? Anyone? I did. I was there probably when they opened. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be open and free with this my parents called it a privilege. I called it a right. I have the right to have this. Now, I am lucky enough that, that, you know, I saved up. My dad helped me. I actually had my first car when I was 15, and it sat there a lot, and I just stared at it. Um, it, was a, it was a gold 78 Regal. I know that's not cool now, but it was cool then. Remember that 78? It was kind of like the Monte Carlo, the, the uh, Regal, and what was the other one? The Grand Prix was it? Yeah. yeah. See, you know, we're old dudes, right? So like it just had this, this just cool body style. It's still cool to this day. Okay. And so I was so excited to drive that thing. So I got my license at 16 and I remember it was just every opportunity I could have to just drive somewhere I would drive. What, what, what is that? You, you need milk? You need, you need bread? Like I would run errands for my parents until I got old, like here they're asking me again, but it was so exciting to be out on the road. And I remember uh, one Sunday after church, I had some friends who lived in the Flint area. And so we were heading over to hang out at their house. And so they were all with me. And, it, you know, I kind of felt like pretty cool, like I'm driving. I've got my friends. They trust me with this. And so we're driving, and we hit downtown Flint. Well, I don't know if you're familiar with downtown Flint, but there's a lot of one ways. Now, I know they've changed a lot of that around, so it's a little bit easier. But anyone remember back in the day, when you first started driving, just trying to figure that out, so... We had come up to a street, and I remember I had made a left onto the street, and we came up, and the light turned red. So I stopped in front of the light, and we're just sitting there, and we're, we're talking, you know, feeling cool because we're teenagers, and we're on our own. Maybe we got some music going. And at one point, one of my friends said, Andy, I'm like, what? He goes, look across on the other side of the light. Why are all the cars facing us? And I looked, and sure enough, every car in every lane was coming at us. All I saw was headlights. I'm like, what is going on? And I realized I was going the wrong way on a one way. Now, you know, if, if that happened to me today, which it, hopefully it wouldn't, but, you know, I often ask my wife, I often miss exits when I get talking. That's just what I do. And, but if I were to do that today, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm in the wrong place. And I might even, if it's, you know, if there's not a lot of traffic, you turn around, quickly turn, whatever. But as a 16-year-old, I was freaking out. I'm thinking all I see is headlights. When this goes green, we're toast. So I remember the light turns green, and I just floored it. Didn't even need to floor it, man. What are you doing? But I floored it, went around that corner as quick as I could, and, man, my heart was just fluttering. and I thought, my gosh, I was going the wrong way. How many know that's an unexpected turn? See, when I, when I turned onto that, that road, I, I just thought we were going to just go down the road, no big deal. I did not expect there to be headlights facing my way. But that's how life is. Life throws us unexpected turns. And one of those unexpected turns comes to us in the Gospel of Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. This is part of the famous Sermon on the Mount. Has anyone heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Chapters 5, 6, and 7. And Jesus says some pretty radical stuff. And I think it's important that we dig into it. It's probably one of the most prolific teachings. That, that, that we know from Jesus. There's so many nuggets, so much goodness within it. But I want to really zero in in Matthew chapter 7 this morning because Jesus, he throws an unexpected turn at us here. I'm going to start in verse 9. He says, Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry child, who asked for food, a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a piece of fish, What parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, look what he says, how much more ready? Say, how much more ready? Look at this. How much more ready is your, what? Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him. Now, already... Jesus is messing with some some mindsets. Because, you know, for most of us, I mean, a lot of us, we say Heavenly Father in every prayer. And so we kind of almost just, it's an automatic thing we regurgitate. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father. But for the Jews at the time, to even have this concept or idea of God as a Father, it, it, was, it wasn't, they weren't with it. They weren't quite understanding. This would rattle their brains a little bit. And so what we see here is this is really interesting. Look at what Jesus is doing here because he wants us to take the next several things that he says and view them through the lens of a loving father, a father who gives wonderful gifts to those who ask him. We need to catch this. This is really important. How many know context is important? I say it probably every Sunday. You know, it's, it's great to take a verse and just put it on a bumper sticker or, or or on a T-shirt or to teach from it, but we have to be really careful because you can take one verse out of context. And what is uh, Bishop Jamie said? Any verse pulled out of context is just a con. So we have to be really careful about how that, not like, oh, the Lord's no, no, be careful so we have proper understanding. And so Jesus is setting something up here. It's the setup, all right? He's getting ready to take one of those turns, one of those unexpected turns. And so he talks to us about this loving father. You know, I think even myself as a parent, as inconsistent and as imperfect as my parenting can be, you know, how many have had bad days as parents? Yeah, come on. Apologies can go a long way, right? It's okay to apologize. I say this often, but, you know, kids never look down on you for apologizing. I think they, they gain more confidence, Uh, They gain more security. Uh, There's something about a parent saying, I'm sorry, I handled that wrong, right? But, you know, even as inconsistent as I've been in my parenting and that, you know, and as much as I want my life to be better and I want to, you know, be the best in my life, how much more I want my kids to have it better. Now, there are some parents, I get it, that almost hold their kids back because if their kids succeed more than them, makes them feel less than, that's not me. I want my kids to thrive more than I've thrived. I want my kids to have more than I've had. I want my kids to have a better understanding of life and and, and spirituality and and Heavenly Father than I have, right? How about you? And so this is what we're seeing here is we're seeing this, this, this father's heart But you know what? If my kids ask me for bread, I would not give them a stone. If my kids ask me for fish, I'd say, yeah, you can have mine. I don't like it anyway. But the fact is I wouldn't give them a scorpion. I wouldn't give them a snake, right? But look how amazing the Heavenly Father is. And again, as much as I want things to go well in my life, I desire for things to go even better, even more better. Man, that really just nails it home, doesn't it? Any teachers here this morning? I want things to go more better for my kids. How about you? And so I believe that this is the true heart of a good parent. And so Jesus here is introducing us to this concept that God is a good parent who gives good, in fact, he says wonderful gifts. If you ask for something, he's not going to give you something bad. He's always looking for ways to give you something good. In fact, I would say this, God's already given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's already there say it's already there. We just need to embrace that. Now, if if you're here today, you know, maybe you're online listening to this, and I don't know your background. I don't know how you've been raised. I don't know maybe what kind of God you hold in your heart. I don't know what you were taught as a child or in your religious background or upbringing. But see, this passage of Scripture, it may emphasize something different than what you've heard. So stick with me this morning because it's good to be challenged on our thinking. It's good to be challenged on our belief system. I think it's amazing to do this, and Jesus does this. And so what we see is Jesus is painting this beautiful portrait of our Heavenly Father in his love for his children. But then, say, but then, right in the middle of him sharing this concept of how amazing the Father is, how loving, how he treats us. This is what I was thinking about when we were singing that song. So good. God is kind, and he's loving. He doesn't look down his nose at you. He's not condescending. He doesn't say things like, you'll never amount to anything. Come on now. This is a good Father. Right in the middle of this concept, there's an unexpected turn that affects you and me. It it affects all of us. Jesus teaches that that same love that he's talking about with the Father is to be reflected in you and me. How many know we're reflections? Come on, Ed. We just talked about this this morning, didn't we? We're reflections of Heavenly Father. We're reflections reflections of Jesus. We're reflections of Holy Spirit. We could say we're reflections of God Himself. And so Jesus teaches that that same love is to be reflected in you and me. We are to actually treat others in that same manner. Treat people with kindness. Treat people with love. Show grace to those around us. Why? Because Heavenly Father has to us. And what does Jesus share? He shares the golden rule. Now, come on, we know, we all know the golden rule. This has become not just a religious thing. This is really like a Western society thing, isn't it? Look what Jesus says here in verse 12. He says, and everything you do, look up here, look up here, look up here. That's what my dad What I say. Don't, don't read the rest of the verse. Those four words are powerful. What's it say? In every... Does it say in some things? Does it say in spiritual things? In things that really matter? Man, Jesus is always up in the ante, isn't he? In everything, say everything. In everything you do, okay, Jesus, in everything I do, what's my what's my posture? Be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. How many would say, I've arrived. I do that every day. <laughs> Hallelujah. I will say I'm getting better, right? Tom, how about you? You getting a little better at it? Yeah, a little bit. You know, as we, as we allow God to live his life through us and we become more aware of who we are, you know, at the, the very center of who we are, we will see this begin to transfer out into real world, right? But he says, in everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. How many would say that we all want to be treated with kindness? we We really do. I mean, this is I was thinking about this this morning, just as I was praying and going over my notes, I thought, you know, there are times where I don't see myself as who I truly am according to God's story about me. There are times where I struggle maybe with a uh, self-image or self-esteem or, or just different issues in life. But I will say this, I always want people to treat me with kindness. I always want to feel like I'm worthy to people. I want to feel um, loved. I want to feel uh, celebrated. Come on. And so what Jesus is saying is that that same thing that you desire, treat others in the same way. But then he goes on. Now, th- this, is, this is great because we could stop here and go, yeah, it's a great rule. But I want us to catch this. He says, in everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you'd want them to treat you. For that, what? What he just told us, how to treat others, is the essence of all the teachings of the law and the prophets. Now, I want us to catch something here. And I love this in the Phillips translation. It says, treat other people exactly as you would like to be treated by them. This is the essence of all true religion. I love this translation. Now, the word essence means the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of something that that determines its character. So, the intrinsic nature... Of true religion is treating others like you would like to be treated. And he says, This is the essence of all true religion. Wait, 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 what, what? Oh, okay, Jesus, Th- this isn't computing because I thought the essence of true religion is the beliefs that I hold or the creeds that I make. Listen, I'm all about creeds. I love the Apostles' Creed. I love a lot of the early church writings and, and the statements of faith. That's, that's beautiful. But Jesus is saying, listen, now, again, the reason he says that the essence of all the teachings of the law and the prophets is this is because he's talking to Jews. They, in their religion, it was following the law and the prophets. Does that make sense? So to apply this for today, we could say it's the essence of all true religion. Well, again, for years I thought true religion was the beliefs that I hold. Uh, uh, my, my, my church is, my church's doctrinal statement. What do they believe? Now, am I, am I against denomination? No, we all have different ways of, of interpreting and s- seeing scripture and, and faith. You know, as I was even thinking about this, this week, there are so many things that we're that we agree on. And sometimes we focus on the things we don't. And I think it's important that we focus on what we do agree on. But what Jesus is saying (laughs) is that the essence of true religion is not your beliefs or your doctrinal statements. In context, if we're truly looking at context, he's saying it's love. The essence, the intrinsic nature or indispensable quality of true religion by character is love. It's treating others with kindness, and acceptance, and forgiveness, and grace. Are you catching this? And it's in this context that Jesus goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, look at this. Enter through the narrow gate, because the wide gate and broad path is the way that leads to destruction. Nearly everyone chooses that crowded road. The narrow gate is... And the difficult way leads to what? Eternal life. So few even find it. Now, any of us who have gone to church for any amount of time have heard this verse. Anyone familiar with this verse? And we probably heard it preached or taught in a certain context, in a certain manner. It usually goes something like this, the narrow gate. It usually represents some sort of doctrinal moral code. Okay, so this is the narrow gate. According to our belief system, according to our denomination or our theology, again, I'm not against theology, I'm not, not against doctrine, okay? But, but I want us to pick up on this. A lot of times this narrow gate is co-opted by man-made religion, and the gate now becomes our doctrinal moral code. And you must come through our particular moral gate or our particular moral way, or else you're going to go through the wide gate. Dun, dun, dun. Which, by the way, it leads to disaster. It leads to destruction. Come on, we've heard the message. i probably preached these messages in the past. With good intentions. Let me add that. Because most, most pastors, I mean, not every single one, and that's the thing, you know, we can single out a TV preacher or someone who, you know, something went bad and he ended up, you know, running off as secretary or, or you know, t- controlling people or a religious trauma. I, I know about all that. We don't have to get into that. We understand that. But listen, the majority of people who decide to follow this call calling pastor, they're not doing it because they're going to have so much power, fame, and wealth, It just doesn't work like that, just so you know. In case you thought that I'm driving around in vets and golfing all day, I'm not. That's not how it works. So our intentions are pure, okay? Even when I hear fellow preachers preach messages that I'm like, ooh, that goes against the... Why? Why? I have a different, I've moved maybe to a certain place in my belief system. doesn't make me better than anyone else. But even if I don't agree, I know that they love God and they love people. And so maybe we've heard these messages where that narrow gate was, again, that certain belief system, that certain theology. But according to this context, again, context is important, Right? According to this context, and maybe, maybe it's just my interpretation or my opinion, that's okay. But, but again, I'm all about context. Think about this. The wide gate is actually the moral codes and religious man-made ideas that we come up with. It's a little different way to see it, right? It's the way that we feel secure, it's the way that we're reassured. It's the way of absolutes, certainties, and religious ways to interpret. That is the wide way. And if you just take a look, look at really the popular Western religious thinking, it all follows this idea when it comes to the wide gate or the wide way. You know, we can actually replace the word wide here with the word easy. It's the easy way. And think about this. It's really easy to fall into moral religious conduct absent of love. It's really easy to look down on other people or judge people absent of love. Come on, I've done it myself. It's so easy. I still can catch myself judging people. I may not verbalize like I used to, but I'll catch myself, and the Holy Spirit goes, uh 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 Uh, It reminds me of Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, you didn't use the magic word or whatever it is. (laughs) Does anyone have the Holy Spirit ever go, uh, 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 uh-uh-uh? Not in a shameful way. But it's like, oh, you're thinking. Your thinking is not kingdom. You're not thinking from your true self. This is false self. This is old ideas. Come on now. But see, this wide way, it's the way that limits love and props up doctrinal constructs. Why? Because the wide way is safe. Why is it safe, Pastor? Because it doesn't call us into a vulnerable place of love and acceptance. It's not easier. See, it's easier to build walls and keep people out rather than tear down walls and be open to others. And so the wide way is the easy way. Well, well, if that's true, Pastor, then then. Why is the wide or easy way these man-made religious constructs or theology? What is the narrow way? Well, Jesus said this. He said, the narrow gate in the difficult way leads to what? Eternal life. Now, if you've gone here for any amount of time, you understand that we're not talking about afterlife. Right? I've said this before. When you look at the gospel message that Jesus preaches, that the apostles preach, very rarely do you ever hear about afterlife. There's like 18 gospel messages in Acts, and not one of them talks about when you die and go to heaven. It doesn't. It's like, what? what That is just like, it, but in the Western evangelical church, that's what we hear, right? It's all about heaven and getting somewhere, and heaven is my home, and getting out of here. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying heaven doesn't exist. Jesus said it does. It's within you. <laughs> Come on, someone. That's a whole different message. It doesn't mean that I won't go somewhere. I mean, the scripture, if we truly believe it, says that all spirits return to God, right? To be, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I understand that presence, but I don't know how it works. This is a spiritual thing that's kind of out of my, I don't know. I haven't died yet. I'll know one day. But this idea of eternal life to a Jew, and this is who Jesus is addressing, is the highest level of living. And really for them, it was according to Torah. So Jesus is already messing, because see, they thought, in order for me to achieve the highest level of living, to have that ultimate peace and connection with God, I need to follow all these rules. Listen, rules aren't bad. I'm not saying that. The law was put in place for a reason. There were people who didn't quite understand God, and the law was supposed to bring them to a place where they no longer needed the law because they lived out of the law of love from their heart, right? We, We know this. But see, their idea was in order to achieve this eternal life, to live the best, highest level here, right now, on this earth, it's according to Torah. And Jesus says, no, it's according to true religion. And the essence of that is treating others exactly like you want to be treated. Now, that doesn't sound very Western evangelical, does it? <laughs> I mean, the way to eternal life is to treat others right? That's, wow, that's pretty wild. But he says the narrow gate in the difficult way leads to eternal life. And I, look what he adds. So few even find it. Listen to me, the narrow way is what Jesus is asking us to do, to love like God loves. The main thrust of the ministry of Jesus when he spoke was repent. Metanoia in the Greek, change your mind. As a man thinks, so is he change your mind. Your concepts about following the law perfectly or seeing uh, others as less than is not cutting it. It's not leading to eternal life. In order to, to, to arrive to eternal life or begin to experience this eternal life, you have to treat others with kindness and with love. It's radical. And then he goes on to say, few even find it, which if you actually look around, again, at the state of the church in the last hundreds of years, few have found, right? Few have found this narrow path. Love isn't present like it should be. The true agape love of God is not reflected in us. And Jesus is saying that same love that the Father has for you, that same kindness that God has for you should be reflected. Come on. Again, this all comes within the context of how God treats his children. Can you see it? Now, again, this is my interpretation of what's being said here. To the best of my ability, to the best of the context, I, I could be wrong. I'll admit that. Okay, And you don't even have to agree with me. That's okay. But let me say this. This view is immersed in a contextual hermeneutic in the entirety of Christ's teaching here. If you you take it all as a whole, I believe that's what we're seeing. And for me, I found that this has really been my journey. It's having to remove myself from the wide way of thinking and doing. Because again, it's the easy way. It, it It might not seem... Like, it makes sense, but to choose the way of law and to choose the way of parameters and all these things, do you realize that when you live by law, you're not living by faith? You don't have to. It's spelled out for you. The hard thing is to live by faith. Okay, God, um, you're calling me to hire things here. Yes, son, I am. Okay. Um, is there a list? No. No. But, but what do I do? You live out of love. Well, how do I do that? It's going to take time and patience and practice. What does Jesus say in Matthew? He said, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? He says, come to me and take a real rest. And what's beautiful in that same portion is he says, I want you to watch me. I want you to work with me. See, it's not going to come naturally. What I mean by that is, is, again, this repentance thing. Romans 12, 2, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to change our mind in so many different facets of our life, and it takes time. And it takes time to say, okay, Jesus, what would you say here? You ever done that? Just thought, okay, I want to respond right now to this person because it's, it is going to feel so good to respond right now. Come on, I'm just trying to be honest. You know what the hard thing to do is? Is to stop, not say anything, and say, Holy Spirit, I need help. What would you say? And usually, Holy Spirit would say something differently than we would because of the old mindsets, the old ideas. Now, here's some encouragement. Eventually, as we get more in touch with who we truly are, the responses begin to look like the responses of Jesus. Isn't that cool? And so, it's a process. Of growth. We're not going to always get it right. And so I've had to remove myself from the wide way of thinking and doing. I've had to, on purpose, with intentionality, focus on the narrow way. What is a narrow way? It's the way of love. It's the way of acceptance. It's the way of inclusion. And guess what? Why do I have to focus on it? Why do I have to sometimes really meditate on that way? Because it's not easy. It's just not. It's not the easy way. It's not the wide way. And you know what? It's a scary thing to do. But at the same time, it grows your heart. It brings you closer to the essence of who you are as a reflection of the image of God. It's beautiful. And let me tell you, it's worth it. In those moments when, when you answer, when you maybe take a moment and you answer differently according to the narrow way. In those moments when you stop and you think through a process and then you decide to go a different way, the narrow way. I'm telling you what, when you look back, there's always a sense of like, wow, I'm growing. I'm doing this because the old Andy wouldn't have answered that way. Right. The old Andy who didn't really know who he was would have gone a different route. Come on. Has anyone experienced this in their life? And it's just amazing. And I do believe that Heavenly Father is so proud of us in those moments. He's like, you're getting it. You're seeing who you truly are. I've always seen you that way. And that's the thing about faith. And this is how God operates, right? He speaks to those things as not as though they were. See, so many times we think when we mess up, uh, we think God feels the same way about us as we do. Don't we? Oh, man, God, I... I've done this before, God. I, I know, I know you're really, you're really just disappointed in me right now. Have you ever said that, man, Lord? I know that. You, uh, I don't even know how you can look at me right now. The thing we don't realize is God doesn't look at us right now where we are. He looks at us as we've always been. I know that's kind of like, Whoo, where are we going with this? But see, He speaks to those things that are not as though they are. And so again, it brings you closer to the essence of who you are as that reflection of the image of God and so what we see here is Jesus gives a plot twist he he gives us an unexpected turn in this portion of his sermon you see learning how to treat other people as you desire to be treated is one of the greatest unexpected turns that we will ever go through because I'm telling you what if you can get this down it changes everything And I've even seen this in my own life when when I I begin to treat others with kindness and with grace and with love. Why? Because God's done the same thing with me my whole life. Even when I haven't measured up to my potential. Like the song says that we sang this morning, even when I'm hiding, like I just want out of this. I, I just don't want to participate. His grace is still there. His love is still there. We can't run away from it. We can't get away from it. And aren't you glad that God isn't some crazy, abusive father? Because people have literally, like, physically grown up in households where they just couldn't get away from the wrath. All right, I'll hold off on that. I had something else. We're not going to go there. So how do we change? We embrace it and accept it. And you're like, that seems easy. It's not. It's not. It's not easy to embrace that God would treat me with such kindness. It's not easy to embrace that God's love is completely unconditional with no strings attached. Come on. Because most of the time when we say we love someone, let's be honest, there's some strings there. There's some conditions there, maybe. I'll tell myself, even with my own kids, I've had to learn this. I mean, when I'm just ticked off, I'm not happy with what you're doing right now. I'm not happy with your responses. If I'm not careful, I will love them a little less. I will treat them a little differently. Am I the only one? Okay. For a minute there, I was like, man, I'm not even worthy to be pastor. But it's just, it's, it's what it is, right? Like, like, but think about this ultimate love with no conditions that no matter how How you treat the person, they love you. That is amazing. And what's amazing is we can be the same. We can be that reflection and treat others exactly like we want to be treated. Because guess what? And this is one thing I've done to try to help myself. When my kids are in the the midst of something and they've done something wrong and maybe they're feeling some guilt and some shame, I have to put myself in in their shoes because I've been there before. And what is the one thing that would motivate me? What was the one thing I would desire if I were in their shoes right now? Grace, acceptance, love, because guilt and shame are going to change anything. In fact, you heap that on a child, you heap that on yourself, it just makes matters worse. You just go, Well, if I'm that bad, I might as well, who cares? Might as well do it anyway. I'm just being honest. But when you're told that you're loved without condition, when you're shown kindness and grace, it does something to the human heart. It shifts you into a place where you feel like, okay, I know I messed up, but that's not who I am. I'm better than this. Come on. There's something that's very interesting here, and I found this to be true in my own life, is that many times we associate the, the, the concept of change because when you think about what Jesus is asking here, for a lot of us, it's like, whoop, I need to change. First, here in my thinking, right? Repentance, change your mind. And then from your, how many know that our actions are a reflection of our thinking? So why would Jesus say change your thinking? Because he knows that your actions will line up with how you think. So if you change your thinking, it'll change your actions, right? But often when we think about the concept of change, we associate it with new beginnings, right? All right, all right. I'm doing something new. We do this at the beginning of every year. All right, this is it. I've got my list, man. I'm going to do something brand new. This is time for change. But listen to me. Listen to me. The real power of transformation more often happens not when something new begins. Listen to me. But when something old falls apart. When something deconstructs. When an an idea just doesn't work anymore and it begins to crumble. Why is that? It's because the pain and chaos of something old falling apart invites our soul to listen on a deeper level. It like gets our attention. See, Holy Spirit is not condescending, He doesn't have uh, ill motives, okay? But I do believe there's times where Holy Spirit will challenge that thought, challenge that idea, because it's not truth. It's not the truth of who you are. And in those moments, have you ever had some of those beliefs or ideas begin to crumble and fall apart, and it feels painful? It feels chaotic? But here's the thing. It forces our soul, it forces our spirituality to consider new things, to consider new ways of seeing and new ways of being. So I know this is crazy, but (laughs) how many would think about thanking God for those unexpected turns? hey, Lord, thank you so much for crumbling that idea because now it's put me into a position where I can think deeper and at a deeper level on this. And honestly, for most of us, we would never arrive at these new places, these new ways of thinking, these new ideas, if it weren't for the unexpected turns in life. Right? Again, have you ever thought about thanking God for unexpected turns? Have you thought about, yeah, Lord, thanks, man, for changing this because it feels a little chaotic, it feels a little painful. It's not because God's causing you pain. It's because how many know that sometimes change is not easy? If you've held a certain belief or idea for 10 or 15 or 20 years, it's not like instant, yeah, let's just change. That's easy. Easy as the wind blowing. No, it isn't. It's hard. But in John 13, 35, as we bring this to a close, Jesus says this, which really backs up what he's saying here. He says, by this, by what, Jesus, all people will know that you are my disciples. By what? If you have love for one another. See, it's the same story. Jesus is saying, listen, the most important thing, the essence of all true Religion. Now, when I say religion, I know there's some grace folks who are like, ooh, religion. It comes from two words in Latin. And, you know, come on. It's it's being bound, returning to bondage. No, I, I understand that. Man-made religion can do that. But even, I believe it's the Apostle James talks about pure religion, true religion, which is what? It's taking care of the widows and the orphans. Oh, it's treating others as you want to be treated. So there's something about pure and true religion that's good. Religion isn't bad. True religion, man-made religion, yes. Um, moral constructs, yes. But true religion is not. And look what he says. This is how people know that you're my followers, that you're my, my pupil. Let me ask you this. Do you know what the goal of a disciple is or even was in this time? It was to be exactly like the teacher. Exactly like the master. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done. In fact, he's saying, I am your strength to help you in this process. Amen? And so I believe that Jesus offers us an invitation. Uh, Jesus, as always, invites us to a new way, the narrow way. The question is, will you accept? Will you say yes? Because guess what? It won't be easy. It may not seem normal but I think Jesus knows better. How about you? Awesome. Will you stand with me this morning? Did you receive that this morning? Say the narrow way. Say unexpected turns. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your kindness. I think sometimes we can take for granted the teachings of Jesus and the story really of a father who loves us. It can just become something we say so much that it loses that oomph, it loses that uh, radical transforming power that maybe it used to have. So we truly thank you for your love without strings, without conditions. We thank you that you're a Father who treats us with kindness and compassion. How do we know that? Because Jesus said that He only did and said what He saw you do and say. And we see Jesus with this radical compassion for people. People who were lost. People who were rejected. People who were living lower than their true selves. And Jesus, you would just say one simple word, repent. Change your mind. You're not seeing things clearly. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you've been working on that this morning in our own minds. That maybe we've, even this morning, just maybe someone here, someone listening online, one of those old ideas or thought patterns just, it started to crack. It started to crumble. And it felt a little painful. It began to feel a little chaotic. But I pray that we can trust you. We can trust you in those moments that it's you just working through our life to bring us to a place of greater and deeper understanding. A place where we have to be open and vulnerable, where we have to say, okay, I need your help, Jesus. Say this with me, Heavenly Father. I'm open. I'm open to unexpected turns. Challenge me, Holy Spirit, on my thinking, on my beliefs, on how I see myself. Challenge me and how I see others. I'm open. Heal those areas in my life, Jesus. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God is good. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always.